Hey everybody, welcome back to the Weekend Horror. This week we'll be going over January 5th through January 11th. I'm Alex, and with me as always is Eugene and JL. What's up everybody? How's it going? Alright, since we just finished off a whole nother decade, I'm sure probably a couple more for you, JL, than me, but... (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't go 10 seconds, I I, swear to God. I know, I know. I think it's a new record right there. (laughs) (laughs) So we just went through a whole decade of horror, and we thought we'd take a look at our top five horror picks of the 2010s. Uh, Eugene, why don't you start us off with your top five favorite movies from the last 10 years? Okay, and you can't so... pick any of your own. <laughs> oh, damn it. So I have two movies now for my top five. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my number five pick is actually, it's probably the most underrated film that came out this decade. And it actually has one of the best performances of from a super complex character from a slasher film that you just normally don't see and the premise is kind of we've been there before but it was executed like on every level perfectly and that is happy death day okay nice (laughs) it's 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 a fun movie uh the girl who plays tree i can't think of the actress's name right now uh she does an amazing job for a slasher film and they take a premise and they give it like a really nice spin on it to to the point where it's like refreshing um my number four pick is probably one of the biggest movies that came out this decade um and probably has like the creepiest villain out of at least out of my list and that is it follows Okay, that's a good one. It's a fucking amazing, amazing flick. That's the that's the STD one, right? Yeah, the STD one. The curse, the curse, (laughs) the sexually transmitted. I guess STC, huh? Oh, by the way, to to answer your question, Eugene, that's that's um, Jessica Roth. Jessica Roth. Yeah, it was free in Happy Death Day. Okay, yeah, I want to see more stuff from her. Like she has acting chops. Oh, she's seriously talented. That one was new, right? Yeah, uh, it see. I think Happy Death Day came out 2016. Yeah, it got the sequel. Fairly new. Yeah, Uh, Happy Death Day was 2017, and then uh, Happy Death Day to You came out uh, in 2019. Yeah, that came straight out to uh, Netflix, right? Uh, no, it had a theatrical release. That was theatrical. Was it really? And yeah, Yeah. it was like one of the biggest horror releases of that year. Huh. Surprise! Sleeper hit. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It was just one that they didn't even really advertise it that much, but like. I, don't I know, feel I like I've seen like I've it. seen like the trailer, but I never actually saw the movie. But it follows was was fucking that 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 movie was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That it was just creepy. It was just just an invisible villain. The way they played it off, I just the three sixty camera movements in it was just it was just awesome. It just immerses you in that world. Um, number two, which should have oh, I'm sorry, not number two, number three, if I can count. Number three was a movie that I thought should have been nominated for Best Picture, and it really played with the senses, and that was A Quiet Place. Okay, that was a good one. And I I liked the fact that it focused on characterization. Like, yeah, you had the monsters that were there, but most horror movies, they seem like they take place like in a week. And this one, I felt like they've been in this world for years. And you can see how it just kind of wore them down and it strained like their family dynamic, especially with the like shocking intro in the film, something you don't see very often. 
it's almost like a they've hit a point of we're doing this and not it's just it it looks like it's i agree with the whole uh plan with the the timepiece there because it's like you can feel like this is it this is we're we're doing this now run i wish i <laughs> i wish i could agree i wish i could agree with you but i i know a lot of people love the quiet place they really really dug it but Oh, God, the people are going to hate me for this. I just, I, I did. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. And three, Unpopular two. opinion. I didn't dig it. There were just too many holes in that plot. Why didn't they just set up their camp by the waterfall? I, you know, there was just, you're right there. You have the ability. There's plenty of space. Just set up your ship by the waterfall. They won't be able to hear you. Um, Yeah. Either way, I mean, there's just, too, it, it just, I guess I went into a lot too logical and I just, I just analyzed it. I was watching. It. I was like, wait a minute. That is, what? Why? What? Why would you? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I know a lot of people loved it. I'm, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time shitting on it. Just, you know. It, it was, a, it was a theatrical experience too. It, it was it something. Was, yeah. yeah. It's. It was a theater movie. It wasn't like a you find on some back page. <laughs> you know, goldmine. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, if that's you watch no. It at home. If you watch it at home. You know, it's not the same experience because I remember seeing this in the theater and like people were afraid to eat popcorn <laughs> kind of thing or open Just a bag dead of silent. candy. <laughs> and so, so part of it, part of the reason <laughs> somebody I love opens their theater. Skittles, the entire theater turns and looks at him like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die, clown. <laughs> it's like that fucking library from Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, good times. So, uh, my number two, which definitely one of the creepiest ones, and it kind of hits the. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge history buff, so it kind of hits the history buff part of myself too. And that was like the witch. Fuck and yeah! I knew that, that was going to come up. Oh yeah, uh, it, it, yes. it has to because the thing is, is like one of the creepiest aspects of that movie was their whole thought process, that whole Puritan, the way they thought, and that was fucking real. Yeah, People I loved were... how it played. It played stronger on instead of like overt, like you know, magic or shit like that. It played off perception, and you know, you wonder how much is in their minds, how much is actually happening to them, and obviously. There was something supernatural going on, but it wasn't so extreme that it took you out of it. It was like, wow, you could really – this could be going on and you like – if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't notice. You know, that whole kind of thing and how their devout their devout belief kind of opened them up to that suggestion and opened them up for attack. It was just a, such a brilliant slow burn. I loved it. It, it really did because it, it focused on like a lot of the family <laughs> dynamic. And you're right. It's little stuff where she's doing the peekaboo with the baby – Right, and I totally put my hands over my face by being a mic. And then all of a sudden, the baby's just gone, kind of thing. Dude, yeah, that, <laughs> you're like, wait, 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 what, what the fuck? Where, what? Where's the child? Somebody find that baby. <laughs> Wasn't there a baby there, like, you know, a little bit <laughs> five seconds ago? But was it? Yeah, that was but was one. it there? And then, uh, last but not least, definitely the movie that should have won Best Picture, because I can't even name the movie that did win Best Picture off the top of my head. Uh, and definitely a movie that's going to be talked about and dissected 10, 20, 30 years from now. And that's the movie Get Out. See, just, I knew that was going to come up, too. Yep. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. 
It was it was so good. It hit on a lot of themes. Uh, definitely a couple that I can relate to. It was so well executed. And I don't know why people have been sleeping on Jordan Peele. I knew he was I knew he was going to be good and going to be a big deal from the first time I saw him. And it just it paid off. I don't feel like I can comment on that movie. <laughs> what get out? No, no, I'm, 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 I'm ripping. It's because of the social dynamics of the, of the movie that are you know the obvious social dynamics. But it was an it was an extremely well 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 acted film. Um, oh yeah, a lot of my favorite uh, actors in there. Um, the the lead actor in that for the uh, God dang it, um, Eugene. His name it escapes me real quick. Oh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, it's the dude that was the main actor in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, had the same. Um, sorry, uh, David David Kaluuya. Okay. Um, David Kaluuya, um, who played Chris in the film. Um, I caught him. The re- what attracted me to to get out was, uh, I he was in an episode of Broken Mirror, mm-hmm. and he was phenomenal in that. And I think that was season. I think it was like season two. He did like a season two episode of Broken Mirror, but he was magnificent in that. This and I mean, I the guy just kind of kind of came out of nowhere because you know Broken Mirrors, you know, it's, it's UK based. Um, but turns out, you know, he's a yeah, you know, he's a BAFTA award winning actor. You know, of course, after Get Out, you know, Golden Globe, uh, Screen Actors Guild, stuff like that. So I mean, the dude is absolutely amazing. Um, but it's you know strongly recommend if you haven't seen it, check out that Black Mirror episode he did. Um, I can't remember the title of it. It's about the the dystopian okay, you, world. Did you say people. yeah, Black Mirror or uh, yeah, Black Mirror? Black Mirror. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, the the episode was about the dystopian world where people pretty much you know exercise to get money and they try to get onto like reality shows and shit. Yeah, no, I remember that one. Yeah, he was in that, and he was in, oh, he was stunning how good he was. That's what got me to uh, to get out. I was like, oh, I remember that dude. Man, he's blowing up. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, he's oh, good. Oh shit, he's blowing up. He's really fucking good. So, <laughs> yeah, so he, a, I mean, he a played great, a, a great yeah. movie. A great movie. I don't. I don't feel I. I, I can comment on the, the commentary <laughs> of the film. I can I give you a pass. A, 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 but but a, a fantastic movie. An excellent choice. So that's that's my top five for the decade. Uh, I do have some honorable mentions, though. Just real quick. My honorable mentions are The Conjuring, You're Next, Hereditary, and the 2018 Halloween. Just wanted to give nice. a shout-out to those also. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got my top five. Um, basically, I see a couple of repeats here, but there's a reason we're going to repeat them. So in no particular order. I just say these are my top five. So I'm not going to number them off. But um, first is The Duke. Okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> such a yeah. A brilliant so I, I'm just uh-huh. I'm excited that you like this movie too. It was I thought it was an, an amazing film, and plus with the psychological aspect, I'm drawn to the psychology of horror, and such a psychologically withering film. You know, you you feel the mother's plight, you you understand what she's going through. It, it was one of the most empathetic I, performances I've ever seen. Absolutely, that's exactly yes, what I was going to say. Yes, the way agreed. the way that you could feel how she felt and not it wasn't just like forced upon you, but like you'd start to feel it and then you'd notice it in her. Yeah. And that was like, okay, cool. This is it's going exactly how I feel it's going to go. So yeah, I agree with you. That was it was very empathetic. It's that been a long time. Cool. It's been a really long time since I've had a character any character in a horror film really 
pull me in like that and bring me and you know, bring me to emotionally to their level. And it's it was, not overdone. It's done right. It, yeah. yeah, it was not overdone. It was, and it, and you recognize that this is a plight that goes on every day around you. You just don't see it. Now all of a sudden you're in the house with her, dealing with these things. It was just absolutely. And then you throw in a monster on top of it. Right. Okay. Absolutely, you know, brilliant, brilliant work, and, and just super creepy. That one actually gave me the creeps. So, uh, for, yeah, yeah the, the Babadook. Um, I also uh, follow along with Eugene on this one. It follows was a yes. terrific, terrific film. One thing that struck that always stood out to me while I was watching it is the disorientation of time. Is that you never really know at what point the film is set in because the cars are both retro and modern. Yeah, you've got the the way the interior design's done on on a lot of the homes is in, is both a combination of modern and uh and dated you know seventies eighties style. Everything whenever the kids are watching something on television, it's always in black and white. Okay, and the whole film seeks to just disorient you. And Eugene mentioned the three hundred sixty degree camera work. You seriously, and by the time the movie is done, you don't know which which way is is what. Okay, because it puts you in that mentality where you've got to be looking all around you at all times. Yeah, that okay. it can it could come from anywhere, and even in terms of like the only true electronic device was a little clamshell that one of the girls like reads poems from. So there's you don't even have smartphones or anything like that that can help orient you what time period it is. Yeah, it was it was a really disorienting, very very a very fresh idea on the STD you know curse. You know, burgeoning sexuality and youth, that whole kind of thing. I really loved it. Plus, that whole, that whole, that whole sequence at the end of the pool when the being shows up uh, because it takes the faces of of you know random people uh, shows up as her father, and that yeah. blew my mind. But she couldn't, she couldn't articulate that. She was so terrified. So, just a brilliant acting, really smart, fresh film. Um, my next one is Hereditary. Yes, yes, because, good one. And predominantly, I, uh, for two reasons. One, I love Tony Collette. I absolutely adore her. I've adored her since The Sixth Sense. Um, I love everything she's done. I think she's so underrated. That that scene at the dinner table when she's screaming at her son, and she did the whole freak out moment. That was that was pure terror for me because I, you know, in in, in my misspent youth, I had moments like that with my mother, and it was just shocking how raw <laughs> that was. And of course, the you know the telephone pole scene is pretty is pretty brutal. You don't see that coming. So, uh, Hereditary got up there for me. Um, uh, the Evil Dead remake. Oh yeah, that was good. Yes, the Sam Raimi helped. The Sam Raimi produced and Bruce Campbell produced the. That was I'm a big fan of the Evil Dead series, and to see that come back, I was a little scared when I first heard about it. I was like, oh, they're gonna fuck this up. Because they usually fuck up remakes. But when I heard that Bruce Campbell was producing and Sam Raimi was producing and um, Fidi Alvarez was behind it, and I was like, this may actually be something. And what they turned out, the first goddamn five minutes of that fucking film left me, left my jaw on the floor. It was the first five minutes, the scene in the basement. Oh, yeah, it was terrifying. And I was like, and and, and no Evil Dead, not not Evil Dead 1 or Evil Dead 2, because they they went pretty fast into the camp in the Sam Raimi trilogy, but none of those caught me like that. And it was, it was like, you could tell the channeling Sam Raimi, but also putting, you know, Alvarez putting his own spin on it. It was literally like, what the fuck? They're like, this is not your grandfather's Evil Dead. So 
I did. But I was. It blown still away. felt like the same style though, which was amazing. Like oh yeah, to a T. Yeah. So and it, it didn't change. You were taken right back to the first one. It was like okay, let's shit. do this. You see, uh, you see that fucking book, and all the memories of the first films come <laughs> out. But this is darker. It's grittier. It's it's like engrossing. Like you're emotionally pulled into this instead of just watching a scare romp. It's really dragging you in, and that was just phenomenal. I was blown away. You know, Jane Levy is such a uh, is such a fantastic little actress, and I'm, I'm so happy to see you know she's churning stuff out now. But man, she put she put it in a performance as Mina. That was pretty intense. And my last pick is a uh, pretty uh, kind of lesser known, but the uh, the home invasion horror um, Hush. Oh yes, yeah. I okay, this. good one. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my wife caught this on Netflix. And she said, you've got to watch this movie. And I was like, oh, so yeah, I had I had a, a night off one night. And I was like, you know, I'm going to check this out. <clears throat> and for for the, uh, the depiction of disabil- of someone with a disability in a horror film usually never bodes well. But the, but the thing is, the big thing about this is you have a woman with a disability. She's deaf being stalked by a serial killer. Or maybe he's just a mass murderer. We don't know. Being stalked by a, by a slasher. Okay, and she can't hear. Okay, and so he breaks into the house. She doesn't know. Fucking, okay. and then he takes a picture like, of her, dude. She, I was yeah. like, what the oh, fuck? Yeah. Okay, well, she was sitting there. You know, Turn around! <laughs> Shit, she can't hear me. And, oh, but the but the use of her inner monologue, because oh, she dude, can still great. hear her inner monologue. Yeah. Okay, yeah. when she when she's speaking to herself in her head, I was like, that's brilliant. It's so it's cause and it's quiet for like a lot of the movie. They don't. There's nothing, but it's yeah. so you're like ah. And I love I love the, the there were such brilliant little character notes in there. Um, like she like she it got to the point where she couldn't tell if it was her mom's voice or her own voice anymore. Yeah, you know where it was just the voice that she had in her head. Like, yeah, it was the that voice that she was the, like? the one of the few voices she remembers. But that scene is she's typing at the uh, that when she was working on her novel because I believe she's working on a novel and her best friend, her neighbor, is getting murdered like right outside the window. Okay, but she yeah. can't hear. She yeah, can't she hear has her no idea. On the glass. She can't, and she's just like this. And I was like, that is so fucking wild. And then the killer's kind of like. Can this bitch not hear? Like, what the fuck is going what on? The fuck? <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, like, just murdered your friend. <laughs> he's like, holy shit, she's fucking like, deaf. Oh wait, she's deaf. This is gonna be fun. And oh, then it and wasn't then, for him. Oh, and then towards the end, towards the end, that scene in the bathtub when she's cornered herself in the bathtub with the yeah. knife, and just that when he when you see the window opening up behind her, and she and he kind of like drops down. It was like, oh fuck. And then he and slowly comes. No, yeah, well, don't, don't, oh. you know, spoil, I don't want to spoil what happens to that. It's it's brilliantly shot. It's really really smart. Um, the fact that the the lead actress in it, she wrote it with her husband. Her husband directed. She starred, and it was just kind of like a, a personally, you know, uh, there's a, I think there were like three or four actors in this whole thing. Just a smart, you know, home invasion horror film where the killer's out there with creepy, you know, creepy dude like this. It was. Really, really good. I think it's still on Netflix for people who want to watch it. So I strongly recommend that one. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's my it's top really five. Uh, I did have a couple of, of honorable mentions, but I, I think I'm repeating what Eugene said. The new Halloween, Halloween 2018, um, brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I keep, I'm, I'm saying brilliant, but I'm saying brilliant over and over and over again. But these are brilliant fucking films. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> excellent film. Terrific film. Danny McBride and Blum, Jason Blum and you know, Blumhouse – 
they're sweet. They're knocking it out of the park these days. So that one, um, and I got to give it to Midsummer because Midsummer I didn't expect. I especially didn't expect such a full-on horror fucking movie, horror, uh, like a horror show, in broad fucking daylight. Yeah, that it's not something of, you see very often. Yeah, that blew my mind. That you know, this could be a beautiful sunny day, you know, and we're fucking scared out of our wits. They, you know, that's you know, turning it on. And he, that that was the director of of Hereditary. It is so it was kind of like goddamn. So I was really impressed by that. So yeah, so the, those are my two honorable mentions for the uh, for the 2010s. I mean, there there there's a lot of them out there, but these there's a lot of good ones out there. But these were my standouts. Awesome. I guess that brings it to me. Um, see, I think we guys, we might be spending like a lot of time together because I kind of had a feeling you guys were going to pick a lot of those. And I, I didn't know beforehand, but it's, so I kind of stayed away from the ones that you were talking about because I, I had a feeling those were going to get brought up. So I kind of went in a different direction. Um, I'd say my number five uh, would be Mandy. And I put that Fuck one in there yeah. because oh, just, nice. it was okay. just a, it was a psychological fucking thrill ride, and you get all I mean all the way up until I, this is a good one and people should watch. It, I'm not going to spoil it, but when we'll say uh, when Mandy kind of tells uh, I always fucking forget his name that one dude to kind of fuck off yeah. Red. Or no, 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 not the one that she was with, the the cult leader guy. Oh, well, she was, when she was uh, t- when, he, when he had her drugged up and in the chair. When they dropped the LSD in her eye. Yeah. And then, uh-huh. Yeah, dude, that that scene into the, just, the, the, yeah, I was, oh my God, yeah. So that was that was one of the biggest scenes that stood out to me over a lot of movies. And Nicolas Cage, you know. Oh, it was for Nicolas Cage. It was like that movie was written for him. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, he was great in that movie. Um, And then uh, number four. The Taking of Deborah Logan. You know, th- uh, that movie that movie had that freaky fucking scene where the ghost was eating the chick, right? Yes, yes. dude. Oh, yes. oh, I know the scene Fucked you're talking about. Yeah, when she's, when she's like, like in the little like, cave. Oh, she like so comes around up. with, oh my god, dude, I will never forget that scene. Oh, that was so fucking oh, freaky. Yeah. terrifying. That, yeah, that movie, I... I ended up trying to watch it again and I had to stop it because I knew it was coming. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I, I did that once. Not going to do that again. So that was, a, that was a big one for me. And I think that one was in the earlier. That might have been like uh, 2011, I think. But uh, yeah, that one stuck with me. And then uh, number three, I'm going to go with It, Chapter One. Awesome. Because I haven't seen oh, Chapter good Two pick. yet. Yeah, good but, pick. Just it and the whole. I it was one of those remake could kind of fuck it up kind of things, but it was just. I thought that was a fantastic film. Um, number two, I'm gonna have to say is Train to Busan. I know oh, it's not like full fledged oh, horror, yeah. but oh, that was a horror movie. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely horror. It, it was a horror movie in the aspect of like the monsters, but then also what that poor freaking dad had to deal with. It was Dude, just it's like, okay. That that I thought Train to Busan was a brilliant. I'm not, I'm not gonna say it again. I'm not saying the fucking. <laughs> that was an another awesome, adjective. That's what you need. That was an awesome blending of you know humans are as scary as zombies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where the human element is just as fucking bad, if not worse, because at least the zombies are predictable. 
Right. Okay. Humans are fucking atrocious. And that fucking businessman in there, I have oh never God, wanted to fucking... deck a goddamn character so much in my life. <laughs> I was like, and, uh, the the first stunt he pulled, I'm like, oh, you're going to die. You're going to die so fucking bad. <laughs> it's going to take a long time, but it's going to hurt really bad. <laughs> it's it's yeah. going to hurt. And, and you're going to you're gonna fucking cry for your mama. And I was so glad he did. Fuck that asshole. Yeah, and, he was a dick. And, and the first time I've ever seen anybody, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping on this, but I've never seen a hero punch, just like, I'm going to punch these zombies in the face. I'm going to just fuck these zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and the was fucking going, and he's just like, hey, whatever, man. Punch zombies. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> the whole thing that got me was that movie was not in English. And so I watched this entire movie and I realized you didn't even need the fucking dialogue. Like, you could watch that movie on silent and you would understand everything that was happening in that movie. Yeah, I felt like I quit re- reading the subtitles. Like, a third I do. It's through. like what? It's like almost a three hour movie, too. And so, like, yeah, yeah like I, by halfway, I wasn't even really reading the subtitles anymore. I was like so invested in the emotion in that movie and it was great. And then it gets to the end and you're like, oh my God, I know what's going to happen and this is too much emotionally. And yeah. And they're making a second one. They're making a sequel, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> a second we're one. gonna get another one. I was like, okay, I can, I can take that. I hope it's three hours long again because that was just that was a fun ride. I'm down for that, dude. I love that fucking dude, <laughs> dude. With it, because it, it, it starts off, he's like, you think he's gonna be a dick, and he's like, no, man, he's just like your everyday guy. Yeah. He, that, that dude was that dude was the Japanese version of blue collar. If there is one, he's like, yeah. No, man, that's fucking, you relate with him so much. Like I as just, an American, it's like, weird. He's like, what the fuck, man? He's just like, I think I think that dude is how Jap the Japanese view the average American guy. It's like that, 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 that's what Americans are like. <laughs> They're just like, whatever, it's whatever, okay. Bro. Yo, man, what's your problem? Okay, we're cool. I'm for, we're friends now. Fuck these zombies. Punch them in the face. You know? <laughs> Fuck zombies. Punch them in the Fuck face. Fuck zombies. That's how we deal with our shit. We punch things. Punch it in the face. God, maybe that's why I related with it. Man, it makes more sense now. <laughs> They're like, if we just act like Americans, Americans will love us. <laughs> and just so you know, guys, it worked. Sweet. So yeah, that was that was fun. Um then my number one and I I couldn't even tell you why, but I'm gonna have to go with as above, so below. Really? Huh. So I watched this movie one time and then I watched it a second time because it the first time through it's so trippy and it's scary. And I guess growing up I've been in like I've been in caves uh my sister lives in colorado so we go out there sometimes and we like we'll go walk through these caves and the whole movie is them being stuck in the catacombs and that is just that's terrifying in itself because that was a true story there's a guy that went down they never found him they found like his camera and stuff and so the whole movie by the third time i was watching i was like i really fucking like this movie and like it's there's puzzles and there's monsters and then there's psychological where it's just like you don't know at one point what's real and what's not and then you get to the very end and it was like what the fuck when I have you seen it I have I okay um, so like when they when they're coming up out of the thing and it's all I'm like what wait, I thought what? That the 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 premise is brilliant. I just said it again. The premise was excellent. <laughs> the premise was it was it was a really really good horror film. Um, I love the psychological the psychological nature of it. I thought and I thought I thought this this would really work as a, as as a as a good feature. I thought the found footage take took away from it. 
And I can agree with that for sure. Because with mm-hmm. with such because you're talking about characters, you're talking about you're you're taking your characters down into basically the first like like the first circle of hell. Okay? And they're they're being confronted with all their own personal bullshit. Right. Okay? All their own personal baggage is come is coming back for them and they've got to work through that shit if they want to make it out of here alive. So But see, if you didn't know that going into it, it'd be a different movie. Oh, well, because t- it looks the, the, like they just got lost in the catacombs. Yeah, well, the, 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 title, being... the title gives that away. Uh, yeah, right, right. I'm going to have so. to see it because I haven't seen it. It's, 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 it's a decent – it literally is a really, it's a really decent film. It really is. I just – I had no problems with it except I just thought the found footage aspect took away when you have such deep penetrating um, issue or penetrating uh, – subjects like that in your storyline you want that camera to be able to stay on them you want to love that moment you want to be in that moment and with the found footage you get the the glancing moment you know what i'm talking about yeah because you you can have it where sometimes it's like the cinematography should always enhance a story and not draw attention to itself and i think with found footage it has to constantly keep drawing attention to itself to go hey remember this is just a guy holding a camera kind of thing I, i can get that yeah. Right. I think I think what I liked about it and what I like in a horror movie is they played they played into a like a finish from the beginning, but they don't start piecing it together until like three quarters of the way through. So everything you see, even if it's just like little stuff, but the stuff that kinda like jumps at you is stuff that then all comes back around at the end and kinda all clicks together. And it would they did it in a way that it was just like it, it was really intense for like the last probably 15 or 20 minutes of the movie because it was like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah it was yeah it was good it was a uh, believable characters um really strong premise good psychological aspects i love the i love the idea of people being faced with their own bullshit not to mention they're already in a scary situation because they're lost uh, you know in the paris catacombs and they keep going down you know, terrifying. further and further oh yeah so yeah it, it, it is scary as fuck the idea that that's you know that they're in a real place and dealing with this stuff, and you know the the supernatural aspect, I, I loved it. I just I wish I, I was I kept found myself in more times than not being like, oh god, dang, why why didn't we why didn't we stay with that moment longer instead of the camera just you know kind of like oh here's something freaky and then we're moving on to the next or oh what was that we like this and I just I wished for more you know but you know everything else you know kind of like balanced that out. That's why it, it, it was a really good movie. I recommend you check it out, Eugene. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll watch it this yeah. weekend. Yeah, that was a good one. And so that's my five. Awesome. And I didn't I didn't go deep into um, honorable mentions, but there was two that I did see. Doctor Sleep, that was one the the sequel to The Shining. It was a fantastic movie. And then if I don't know if you've ever seen it, but The House that Jack Built. Oh yeah. Uh, that's a that's a freaking with Matt Dillon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought that was oh. it was probably one of his best movies for sure. That's a gruesome little film. Oh, that's it what was, the lawn yeah. directed by Lawrence Van uh Lars Van Trier. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence yeah, Van Trier. The, okay, yeah. He's the serial killer. He's so casual about it. He's yeah. so, yeah. so likable in that movie. God, he's such a good movie. guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just hope you're not his type. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Cool. Well, definitely check check some of those out. There's some really good movies in there. Um, that was our, our best of the best decade picks. But uh, we're done with that, so let's move on to our show. All right. So the first movie we have on here, which is a nice 
you know, sequel of a sequel of a prequel of a sequel somewhere <laughs> in, you know, a muddled timeline somewhere in there, right? Uh, God, I it, guess it could be a prequel or a sequel, huh? Yeah, it, can, it can go either, it goes I, either I think way. It's a prequel. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say prequel on this. Yeah, it ends where, like, the first one began, but, you know... Yeah, it's but, like, like the, the third the one began where, like, the first one was halfway through, and then... The yeah, and it kind of goes back, and... <laughs> <laughs> whatever they want to do with the franchise. Um, so it came out January 5th, 2018, and it's Insidious, The Last Key. Uh, directed by Adam Robel, if I might butcher that. Robel? Adam right. Yeah, Adam Robel, uh, Leo Wennell, and Starry <laughs> Lee. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to get so many angry letters one day. <laughs> but you got... Uh, That's Lynch. not my name. <laughs> you butchered my name. We're gonna have a we're gonna we're gonna have a guest come on one day and be like, "Hey, you remember the time you talked about my movie and you butchered my name <laughs> <laughs> three years ago?" I have Uh-oh. forgotten. <laughs> and so we so starring Lynn Shay, Agus Sampson, Leon Wenhall, Spencer Locke, um, and basically, basically what it is is it is like kind of like a prequel to the Insidious franchise where you have the main character, Elise, starts going doing paranormal investigation, except she ends up investigating the, the home that she grew up in. And so along with her going through the investigation of the house she grew up in, it starts bringing back a lot of flashbacks. You start dealing with her parents, uh, you know, her dad, that which is a, apparently a really shitty guy, <laughs> like really, really shitty guy um coming thing and so she starts unraveling kind of mysteries of her past at the same time you start seeing some of these other characters you see where the other insidious uh franchises kind of begin and at one point they go to like purgatory something like that whatever you want to call it when they're all like in the jail cells yeah i think it's it's uh still in the at the astral world or the the what is it the other I can't remember what they call it. Yeah, um, they they call it something. I just can't. I yeah. remember like the long hallway, and it had like the the like the jail cells and stuff like that. Right, you had the different creatures in there and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was it was like we hit something, and we're gonna kind of keep milking it and keep milking it and keep milking it, and we got the last key out of that. Well, the uh, the film itself, I thought. Um, the film performed well. It was, I think, it's one of the one of the better performing of the franchise. And uh, despite that, I think people are starting to feel kind of fatigue with the Insidious series. Definitely, um, it came you know came out strong with the first one. Uh, Patrick Wilson's always a lot you know always great to watch. Um, but uh, I'll let this, uh, I wanted to I wanted to spotlight um, actress Lynn Shay in this because. She's number one. I love her to death. She's a phenomenal character actor. She's you know she's been a character pretty much since she appeared with uh, Jack Nicholson in Going South in 1978. She's pretty much done character work ever since then, um, just appearing all over the place. And the Insidious series, or her, her basically her work with with Blumhouse, has get, really given her the opportunity to shine. And um, Lynn has a history. Pretty much her filmography is either comedy or horror. And in a horror films, like I, she was in the original um, Nightmare on Elm Street, she was one of the teachers in uh, the in the very first one, and she she did a few uh, um, horror before that. She was uh, I think in 1982's Alone in the Dark, um, uh, but I mean she's 
a character actress who has pretty much done anything and everything and, and starred across from anybody. Um, she's mostly known for her comedy. I think you guys might remember her. Um, I think the two her two most prominent com- comedic roles was there's something about Mary. She was the overtanned neighbor. Okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and she was uh, Woody Harrelson's character's uh, landlady in Kingpin. And oh, she, was she? Per- she was particularly foul in that one. So, but nowadays, you know, uh, her work with Blumhouse has given her a chance to shine and really show that she's got the chops to really carry a film. And with with excellent writing, I just want to give her a shout out because she, she her character Elise has uh, I think is Elise Rayner has made those movies. She stands apart. She she's not a cookie cutter of like you know your your paranormal investigators. And unlike uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, who are um, in the Conjuring side playing you know Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, she's a character all all her own, and she's got to make it her own. And so she is the reason why those films have made as much as they have, bringing that character to life. And so I'm really looking forward to, you know, with the stuff that she's got coming out next. Insidious uh, 16. <laughs> well, I know she's most recently she was in. I mean, uh, she did a turn as a crazy as another crazy landlady in Room for Rent, but she was more of a like to say kind of like a slow burn psycho in that one. That was that, that was pretty strong. But she was recently in the new Grudge that just released. Oh, oh that's her, okay. That's her most recent film. Oh, God, yeah. I gotta go see that. Yeah, so uh, love her to death. And if it wasn't for, I mean, it was Blumhouse that gave it to her. So, you know, you know Jason Blum and Blumhouse product, Blumhouse Films. Uh, Freaking I mean, Blumhouse Films, man. If you've seen an awesome horror movie, you've seen Blumhouse on like, it. Holy shit. Well, because you got Insidious and like, okay, so they started out, I remember uh, Paranormal Activity was when I first spotted Blumhouse. Uh, I think it was Paranormal Activity 2 is when I, like, started getting into... And then Insidious comes out. And you got all this stuff going on. You're like, who the hell is making these super awesome freaking films? And they just blew up from there. Dude, Blumhouse... What? Uh, uh, the Purge. They did... Uh, what was the one with Rob Zombie? Well, they, they, they kicked it off with uh, Paranormal Activity, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. They had done a couple uh, a couple of movies before that. Uh, one was called Griffin and Phoenix, and the other one was called The Fever. Um, actually, they had a couple more movies after that, too. The Darwin Awards and Graduation, and then Paranormal Activity kicked off in 2009. So they started off in, like, 2006, and then all of a sudden they jump into this Paranormal Activity, which just blew the fuck up. That well, was 15, like, what was that? They shot it for, like, 15 grand and grossed almost 200 million. Yeah, yeah. You want to talk and about And then they're like, return. hey, we're pretty good at this. But they, you know, they started, they did Tooth Fairy and then Paranormal Activity 2 and then Insidious and then Paranormal Activity 3 and then, you know. Oh, then, fuck. You, you mentioned Rob Zombie. It was Lords of Salem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, the Lords of Salem. Yeah. And then, then they got into The Purge and continued the Paranormal Activity. I think, how much did they make off the whole Paranormal Activity series? Oh, God. That whole fucking franchise. But I wonder if that franchise has grossed a billion yet. I, what I was going to say, yeah. they probably, probably hit a billion. I don't know. I watched every single one of them. Um, they did that movie Ouija. I don't know if you ever saw that one. It was pretty good. Yeah, they 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 have made their okay. They're low budget, you know, blockbuster. Yeah, that, the formula that they have for that. I don't know where they came up with that, but they proved that you could do it. 
you can do it. And that's and then you were talking about Happy Death Day earlier. They even did that. Yeah, it's like what they ended up doing was instead of going like, hey, we're going to do a hundred million, two hundred million dollars. And it's like they were going to go back and we're going to do 10, 15 million dollars. Right. That we can take risks on some of these stories, because I'm pretty sure a lot of these are scripts that big studios have turned down. And then they're like, you know, we'll go ahead and we'll give we'll actually take the risk, you know, on Happy Death Day, on Get Out, um, yeah they were get out and then you got the halloween franchise they did halloween and they got the the new one coming up yeah and they, that, that, that's a that's a walk-in trilogy because you've got halloween and then halloween kills right. and then halloween ends so they're blowing i mean <laughs> and then they mean? just nailed it again like yeah. they do on everything that they put out it's insane it, it's, it's amazing it. It is, and I always i have to do the shout out to the the one non-horror film that i really love by them was whiplash with J.K. Yeah. Simmons. God, that was so fucking good. Such a good fucking movie. J.K. Simmons, where did oh he if if only he I mean, I understand why so why actors need to sometimes take breaks and take like you know easy roles. Okay. Because J.K. Simmons, I mean, you know, such a phenomenal actor, but you know, you know, you have you know, oh he's Spider-Man, he's J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man, or he's, you know, this low-key character, this low-key character, or, or whatever, or he does all state commercials. And then he turns in something like Whiplash, <laughs> and I understand why a film like that, you only you can only do them so often. Yeah, because... they had to take a year off his life. Something oh, like God. that. <laughs> it, it that that movie was so uh, I as an as, as an actor myself, I would I long for the film that that literally just takes you that takes you on that journey that that exhausting emotional journey that you know that the audience is going to be along along the for the ride i mean he and that and uh uh eugene remind me that lead actor uh miles teller oh miles teller yes yeah the two of them together okay (laughs) and that and that one scene where he's like are you rushing are you dragging uh miles teller was like no just slap me for real so those are real slaps that you're hearing (laughs) <laughs> against him yeah he said his face was red and like bruised afterwards well yeah <laughs> so wild so yeah, i mean that's yeah, so they, they're just they've come out and then black christmas just came out yeah they're killer dude so yeah, they, they, going they, don't have, they don't have many missteps i will say that black christmas was a misstep that was a misstep it, because that movie uh, was fucking trash all right i can agree with that that but but they don't have many They've had a couple of, you know, like, we'll say, you know, Paranormal Activity, the, you know, the ghost dimension. That, we probably, or, you know, we probably could have done without that one. Although probably didn't need that one. Yeah. Although we are getting a seventh Paranormal Activity that's coming out 2022. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th- there's a few missteps in there. But for what they've done and the amount of money they've come in, I mean, Paranormal Activity is, if you would, if you adjust for marketing costs, it's legit, like, the most, the highest grossing independent feature ever made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that you know you you got to compare it to the Blair Witch Project, which was shot for sixty thousand, was shot shot for sixty grand, and then made two hundred fifty million worldwide. But the sixty thousand in that that included all of their marketing costs, and your marketing cost is pretty simple when it's literally a black screen and a few lines of dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> that yep. was the uh, that was pretty cheap fucking marketing. So sixty grand, two hundred fifty million, Paranormal Activity, fifteen thousand dollars, hundred ninety three million for the year. And, but the marketing was much more was much heavier on paranormal activity. 
So yeah, because yeah, the market strategy for Blair Witch Project was you know selling that it was real. Yeah. So you know you couldn't have like the main cast go do interviews and stuff like that, like on Letterman show or something like that, because it would break their entire marketing strategy. So they basically told like the actors, "Okay, we shot the movie now. Disappear for a while." Yeah, go hide. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Actually, go out to the woods just for a couple. <laughs> minutes. Yeah, just 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 hang out there for a little while. So, you know what? Let us know in the comment section below, like, what are your favorite Blumhouse films with, you know, Happy Death Day and Get Out and we talk about Whiplash and Purge and Paranormal Activity and Halloween and Lords of Salem and the list goes on and on and on. So let us know, what is your favorite Blumhouse film? They're also scary. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go, we're going to take a trip, uh, you know, kind of into really scary land with this next one um Uh january 6 2006 saw eli roth attempt to one-up the torture porn uh subgenre with hostile Uh, uh. (laughs) this movie makes me sick just thinking i'm just thinking about the scene where they're in like the like the cafe or whatever in the beginning they're like sitting around a table. I, it just it makes me sick because I know what's gonna happen to all of them now. <laughs> that fucking just the the whole. I, I okay, so Saw was like doable. I was like, yeah, this is hardcore. I'm a badass for watching this. It's super scary. And then I saw Hostel, and I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you win, film. Well, you win. Hostel was Saw uh, was... was just it was it was artistic. <laughs> And then you get in a hostel, and it's like real torture porn. And you're like, I'm not on the deep web. I, I'm not looking for this. Why am I watching this? <laughs> oh, my God. I bought a ticket to a Red Room. Oh, God. <laughs> so, but uh, the hostel, the the first hostel was written, directed by Eli Roth. And starring Jay Hernandez and Derek Richardson. And uh, I did say a slew of other people, you know, with very unpronounceable names in, you know, <laughs> in English. But um, a translates twi- well in Dutch. Uh, a pretty simple premise as far as torture porns go. Not as complicated as Saw by any stretch. It was pretty much, you know, stupid American tourists find themselves at the mercy of the elite hunting club. A group of rich elites that like to hunt and torture pretty much people that will never be missed. And, AKA American you know, tourists. Super rich people go to these pe- go to this place, the elite hunting club, and pay exorbitant sums of money to have them to have the elite guys bring them their victims to their little torture place where they can then do whatever the fuck they want to them and it is gruesome to a level i think in 2006 that a lot of people were not prepared for now saw had already been out and i honestly believe with with how big saw was and how big that exploded it really was Eli Roth capitalizing on just, you know, what would become the torture porn genre, what would start that off. Because Saw kind of gave rise to the idea of torture porn, but I don't think it was solidified in people's minds until Hostel came out. And then the kind of one-up wars started. Because torture porn, man, in the eyes of, I guess, um, the American public or the eyes of people, there's an appeal there. It, it, I, it, there's, it makes no sense as to why to me, because, like, I mean, I guess I was interested about what would happen if you put a blowtorch to an eyeball, but then when I found out, like, I was over it real fast. 
that, that scene in the movie, I don't know. There's there's an appeal to it. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's like because it's so taboo, or if people are just sick in general. It's one of the one of the big draws of the genre is it's for it's a way for people to kind of push that line with no consequence. It's like the same reason why people like roller coasters because roller coasters get you to a near death experience, but you don't have consequences. You're safely strapped in, and you know, and then it's it's done well, most of the time. Yeah, go six most flags. of the time, yeah, except for that one in the Texas Giant, but. Um, <laughs> But that's that's one of the appeals of it because it's like if you take a beheading in, in any film, you know this person gets decapitated, we'll be like, oh, ha 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 ha, whatever. But I don't want to watch a beheading. Like if you told me this was a real beheading video, I don't want to watch that. So I think it's a way for people to kind of get their rocks off without actually having the consequences. I have to say it's similar to the argument I made about Twilight, and that um, Bella is pants. Okay, and that's why the character is so flat. That's why Bella is so. That's you know, Kristen Stewart played played it exactly how she was written. She's a flat, emotionally one dimensional character that just reacts to whatever's going on in a very muted way. And a friend of mine coined that you know called her pants, and that was because the character of Bella in Twilight, any girl that watches that, can slide into that character like a pair of pants. And that's what she is, is that she is she's designed to, to be basically, everybody. yeah, she's designed to be hollow so that somebody, so that the, the, the girls can just put themselves in that position and be, I could be Bella because there's so little character there that they can literally fill in the blanks themselves. And so she's pants. They can be, they can be in those pants and they can have a relationship with Edward and they, they can, they can be torn between Edward and Jacob. I'm not saying anymore because I don't want people to know how much I know this <laughs> series. But, I was going to say. Uh, but We're starting a new podcast? It's point? along those lines with torture porn, with the torture porn genre. <laughs> like, Team Edward. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob. Oh, um, God. Fuck that brooding asshole. Um, <laughs> with torture porn, with Hostel and Saw and Teristas and various other where... It's not supernatural. It's people ripping each other apart for various reasons or whatsoever. I think it's it's like pants in that there is something that speaks to us, especially American audiences, of getting revenge or dishing out ju- due justice. Okay, whether people are uh, you know fed up with the legal system or fe- you know you know justice is never served or you know red tape you know le- allowing bad guys to get off. Either way, we see shit like this every day in the media. It's it's you know people get worked up into a frenzy. They can't do anything about it. And for a while there, in the early in the mid two thousands, in the early and mid two thousands, people found an outlet, and they could slip into those torture pants, and <laughs> imagine in these two dimensional victims with these you know these shallow victims and shallow torturers and the faceless bad guy Jigsaw, because technically you know, the, the, the puppet is the representation. Okay. With all this shallowness, you can easily slide, slide into it. You can easily see you putting your school, your, your school bully, you know, the kid, the kid who terrorized you all throughout, you know, you know, school, you could easily see you sit him, put him in that bath, in that bathroom. Okay. Or stick him in that chair while you slice his Achilles tendons. 
Okay. Oh, 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 why do you have to go there? Do you want to talk? Do I need to turk- 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 turn off the mics? And <laughs> you want to talk about it? But I need, so, I need to go back. I need to go back on what you just said a couple hey, of seconds ago. And you need to trademark something. Um, I didn't name You names, said torture okay. pants. Did what? You said torture pants. Torture pants, yes. Torture I'm going to need you to trademark that and then put something up on our merch merch section. What are you wearing? These are my torture pants. Torture, torture pants. pants. You no, know, they gotta be. You get some like yoga pants and you'll put torture pants on the butt, dude. Those would sell. <laughs> well, Everybody's hey, trademarking torture it, that's pants. Ours. Listeners, it's my our idea. digression. I did not name names. <laughs> Fuck you, Todd Blair. Fucking asshole. <laughs> that name sounds like an asshole name, though. It's Todd Blair. Hey, I'm Todd God Blair. Damn, he's a fucking asshole. But anyway, Shut up. but yeah. I think American audiences identify with that. The ability to do it, the chance to, the opportunity to dream and see. It was like, oh, wow. What if I did, like, you know, put him in the reverse bear trap? I can see what that does to somebody, that whole kind of thing. And that kind of resonates with people and kind of tickled that little fancy. And then they walk out of the theater and they can wash themselves of those emotions. But the, yeah, because it's like it's not real. They, they can exactly. go wash it off. It's not real. It's just a story, whatever. And mm-hmm. go about their daily lives. And, you know, this and this is why the genre lasted only it was mainstream only for a little while because they kept one up in each other because you would have the first the actual original cut of Saw was PG-13 and knowing that. Yeah, just straight PG-13. And they knew with their marketing campaign uh, campaign that a PG-13 movie that's like blood is part of the can you get out of this wasn't going to work so they reshot just a little gore here and there just to barely get that R rating and off the hostile took it and then saw was like, okay we got to one up one and they start one up in each other to the point where people eventually were like you know what we can't we okay this is too much now this is you know we start getting we've gone too far we've gone too far we start getting this <laughs> like a Siberian film or whatever that one is called that's a Serbian a, a Serbian, yeah, a Serbian film. I would keep saying Siberian that's, when you get like a Serbian film it's like okay yeah I think we've gone too far um, people can't take this anymore and then the oh, genre damn. kind of the genre kind of died out yeah the only the only one left I think we still get the occasional one but not as dedicated to the sheer, you know, eliciting of, of, you know, painful death to people in, in elaborate ways. But Saw is pretty much the only contender. I think we, we even have another Saw coming out this year. So Yeah, there's another one coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, one that I could compare to it is probably The Purge. I think The Purge played along those lines, but just took it. It, it, uh, it wasn't as gory. Took it in another direction, yeah. 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 But it had the exact same premise, a bunch of rich people, and the I guess the second one, or was that whatever. And one of them, it was all the rich people were, you know, bidding on people to kill. Yeah, I think there the, was a uh, second one. I think it's the second one. Yeah. The artificial population control concept, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's... um. It's an inter- it's an interesting uh interesting little film, supremely gory, really really brutal. Uh lots of stuff with eyeballs because, you know, as Gus in Psych said, eyeballs are psychologically scary. Um yes. but uh mm-hmm. you know, a, a definitely a, a brutal little film that you some may some may have some serious difficulty uh sitting through, especially the Achilles tendons tendency. Jeez, that was pretty goddamn. So cool. That was that was pretty fucking awful. It hurts. Um, Every time you see it, it makes your teeth go bzzz. Yeah. yeah. You get, you get, you get that buzz. But uh, yeah, well, I want to know what the audience thinks. You know, for, in this deal, you know, 
Hostel versus Saw. Which one did you prefer? Saw had the more complicated, more convoluted, you know, storyline. Actually, tried to have a driving force behind the violence. Hostel was just about you know fucking idiots getting diced and sliced, which is probably why it only lasted three movies. Whereas Saw has gone on to eight, now about to be a ninth film. And so, which one? But which one did you like? Did you just like getting in the nitty gritty, or did you like actually having a driving storyline and purpose with Jigsaw? Let us know in the comments. Hostel or Saw? Which one you dug? Rock, paper, scissors. All right. So we'll uh, we'll move forward. Actually, same day, uh, January 6, 2006, uh, Blood Rain came out. <laughs> <laughs> and this this had to be one of the worst movies. <laughs> not, because, not just because it was a terrible movie, but you had, like, Michelle Rodriguez on screen, and I'm like, yes. And then I got maybe seven or eight minutes into the movie, and I was like, no. And then no, the whole no, movie was just no. a shit show. It was fucking terrible. You have you have such an awesome storyline that you could have done so many good things with, and the only thing that held that movie together was the fucking cast. And for it, sure. They, they, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, you've got... Uh, uh, Matthew Davis is in that one, and then Will Sanders, and then I always forget the the main character's real name. Well, okay, uh, in, in Blood Rain, that was Cristana Loken. Yeah, Cristana, that's right. And yeah. you had fucking uh, Michael Madsen, uh, Michelle Rodriguez. That was the one I was forgetting, yeah. Yeah, Michelle Michael Rodriguez, Madsen. motherfucking Academy Award winning Ben Kingsley. Dude, yeah. Ben Kingsley. What the <laughs> fuck? fucking meatloaf was in that movie and so so you got all these really good oh my god i was so excited when i saw michelle rodriguez in the trailer and then you see the movie and i was like why and then they made a second one and a third a fucking one. terrible movie there's three and a third one. Oh well i've only seen the first one that was enough that, that yes first it, the was, first one was fucking enough it was fucking terrible dude i don't even have any like good things to say about the movie except the, the cast held it together <laughs> they they went as long as they could. They they tried. I I know they tried. And so for, I noticed you did. I noticed you didn't mention the director's name. Oh, I th- I th- are we saving that? Or yeah, yeah. Go ahead and mention the director. <laughs> <laughs> were, we, were we saving it for something? I, we, I mean, we 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 can save it. I mean, I, we we probably want to keep. We probably want to keep his name out of our mouths as much as possible, lest we corrupt our own. Stuff. Well, we're talking shit about one of his movies. <laughs> Maybe he it was, knew what really he was making. Sucks, though. you know. And I wish, I wish you could say that it was because it was a video game film, because Butter uh, is based you know, directly on an Xbox game at the time. Yeah, and, yeah, it was definitely made after that. And I don't, but I don't know if you can blame that. I know that you know the game to film tend to sometimes fails, so maybe it could be on that. I, I have no idea. Well, you have so most video game movies to film. Uh, aside from, I say, I think was it Detective Pikachu that came out like last year? Uh, that was a fucking excellent. That movie. was a, that was that movie was fucking amazing. I <laughs> that was a good movie. Like that, so to me, like that's the best one. But even if you look at like good, like good ones before Detective Pikachu. I think the best one was I would either say Resident Evil or Mortal Kombat. Dude, Resident Evil was the Dude, shit. Resident I Evil love yeah. that fucking shit. Yes. That, I follow that, that shit from start that to finish. Captured, yo, uh, Anderson captured that that movie perfectly. I loved it. Having the universe, telling the story within the Resident Evil universe that we knew, but not using established stuff. Like, he wrote new story 
within the universe, which is, I think is what was successful in that. Because yeah, he didn't it have felt to like adhere. It. Yeah, he didn't have to adhere to the rules or the characterizations of already established stuff. He could create his own new characters and run with those, and that allowed him more creative control within an already established universe, which is, I think, was what, which was what was important. And the thing is, like, it worked with it, and then with Mortal Kombat, I remember when I was ten, the flames start shooting at the screen. It's like Mortal Kombat, dude. And when I was you see like, that fucking dragon awesome. team pop. When that when that dragon uh, logo pops up on the screen, you're like, oh shit, oh here we go. This is everything I wanted and more. <laughs> yes. And then you watch the movie, you're like, I don't even know if this is good because I'm only like fucking twelve. I was like nine. <laughs> like every fanboy scorpion pops up on the screen and i was like fuck you yeah, yeah. get over here yeah <laughs> but they can't they can't all be like that because for every one of those you get five mario brothers or, or double blood or, rain or double dragon that's what's fucked up is because i would actually say double dragon and super mario brothers was better than blood rain Oh God! Yeah, yeah. I, at least, dude, it was. At mm. least you can get through. Yeah. <laughs> and this, I, okay, and I don't even have anything. That's. We, are we still leaving the director's name out of this? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> he did a movie called Rampage, and I respect him for Rampage. Um, uh, I I would say the Rampage trilogy is probably his his best of the of, of all the shit he's done. That, well, yeah, that's the most golden of all the turds he's produced. <laughs> <laughs> There's not Zombie Massacre one and two. Oh, Alone God. in the dark. Alone in the dark. When you try to, when you make a movie based off a video game, and you try to convince me that Tara Reid is a fucking archaeologist, <laughs> I'm gonna punch you in the fucking. I've face. seen Van Wilder, motherfucker. <laughs> I've seen okay. Sharknado also. So <laughs> I will accept her as Sharknado before I accept her as the fucking archaeologist in, in Alone in the Dark. Okay. Oh Fuck. god, this poor guy. Sorry, he's gonna fucking call us. Yo, know, it's so funny. Funny because he actually you know, back in the day he actually challenged a critic of his, someone who like shit all over his films. <laughs> he challenged him to a fight in the octagon. Nice. He, he did, and. I think nothing ever came of it. I don't think they ever fought. But at the time, I was also shitting on Juve Bolt. And I actually wrote an article where I challenged him to a fight. It wasn't <laughs> the director coming after the critic. This was the critic coming after the director. And I was a, and I'm a huge gamer. So I was like, you keep fucking up these games. Okay? You keep fucking them up, and I hate you. And I want to kick your ass. So I challenged him to a fight. I know his people got it. I, he never responded to me, though. So, but there's a reason. I mean, it, fuck, he went, he went to Hideo Kojima and wanted to uh, direct a Metal Gear Solid film. No. He was no. like, hey, Hideo, no. can I direct a Metal Gear Solid? Hideo Kojima was like, ha, 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 go fuck yourself. <laughs> I think Hideo's response was, fuck you, or fuck no. I think it's what, it was what the dude said. Fuck no. So he's no. like, fuck no. <laughs> Get your hands away from my IP. <laughs> so no. but i it's shocking uh that he's able to procure the actors that he gets and one thing that is amazing what probably a lot of people don't know is that it's where it's where the this director we'll mention his name in a little bit um <laughs> is where he shoots his films and typically he shoots them overseas he shoots them you know in kind of you know like like eastern european you know the old uh the old block country shoots him in Prague, shoots him in Czechoslovakia. And the reason he shoots these 
and his production company is based in Germany. But the reason he shoots there is because shooting costs are incredibly low, and you can get things you know very much on the cheap. But because he produces out of Germany, Germany offers one of the highest tax incentives for anywhere on the planet. And I believe that they're around 50% is what they offer for films that are produced out of Germany. Seriously? And so, yeah. So That's you go insane. in there shooting a movie for $4 million, you're already getting 50% of it back. You're already guaranteed half your money back, which means you've just freed up a shit ton of money to pay or sometimes overpay you know, actors like fucking Ben Kingsley who is an Academy Award-winning actor, okay, who is phenomenal, and I don't care what he's doing, if it's a small role or a big role, he's fucking Ben Kingsley, okay? And so you you can pay him an exorbitant amount of money to come out, and his name being attached to it helps to drive up, you know, marketing, because it's Ben Kingsley, Cristiano Locan is in it, Michelle Rodriguez, Michael Madsen, you know, a whole bunch of people, and it was like, wow, how do you get these fucking, well, when you're, when you're, country offers 50% tax breaks, you know, tax incentives to produce out of that country. And then you're shooting in fucking Prague. Okay. Where you can get pretty much anything loaned to you for free. Then yeah, you're going to be able to pay these people a shit ton of money, which is why, you know, in the name, which is why he can get like Tara Reid for a loan in the dark, which is why for in the name of the King, he can arguably his biggest cast. He's got Jason Statham, Cristiano Loken, John Reese davies Lily Sobieski, uh, Ray Liotta, um, Burt Reynolds. Uh, it's like, what the fuck? This is like, a, this Hell. is like a, an A and B list ensemble cast. Including one of the biggest, one of the biggest growing action stars out there, and not to mention, you know, this is John Reese Davies post Gimli, and and how do you pay these mother? How do you, what the fuck? And he can do that, and so we're you know we're forever going to see our favorite fucking actors in these fucking bullshit films because <laughs> he can afford to fucking pay him. I want to know how many zeros that check had to have when you, you know you're like, oh man, no, 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 he's trash. Open up check. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll give him a chance with Blood Rain. Yeah, maybe. Like, that, that's like, that's that's insane. It's like that fucking. It's like uh, I can't remember uh, who the fuck was he said it was a he was complaining to it was an actor complaining to um, I think it was Gregory Peck. And was complaining to a director one time, and it was like, I, I just, I just don't, I don't know my motivation. What the hell is my motivation in this scene? And the director came to him and says, uh, "Gregory, my dear, your motivation is your fucking paycheck." Damn. <laughs> okay. And you know, you put enough zeros on there. Fuck it, man. I'll, I'll dance around in a goddamn chicken suit. You put enough zeros on that fucking thing, and I'll do it for two hours on a fucking, you know, a tentpole summer movie. <laughs> but you know, I mean, how he fucking does it, I don't know. This the goddamn gargoyle of game films, Uve Bowl. Oh, you said his name. I said his oh, fucking name. Don't say it three it. times. You'll fucking show up. You'll fuck up your favorite video. Like, like, like the goddamn candy man. <laughs> He'll make like you Borderlands, watch movie. the video game. Yes, directed by Uve Bowl. Fuck oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know that that fuck was coming? <laughs> if he touches the yes, Uncharted series, 
If he touches the <laughs> Uncharted series, I'm gonna be so oh, fucking oh, pissed. Fuck that shit. I'll pissed. go to fucking. I'll go to Germany and beat his ass myself. <laughs> That's when we protest. Uh, Plus, I just want to go to Germany anyway. No, no, you can't protest that which is Juve Bowl. You, that this, is fair. This, this is not protestable. He must be stopped. He must be destroyed. He must be. <laughs> you know, he, he must, must be. be stopped. He must be staked with a brick in his mouth and buried on consecrated ground. <laughs> <laughs> Because that oh, which yeah. that which is not dead, eternal, eternally right, eternally sleeps. Just make him go to sleep. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was that was too far. But it's, so that's that's something I want to know from the audience though. Is how, what, what are your feelings on Uwe Boll? Do you like his movies? Is there a specific movie that you like or a specific series that he did? Because he did a couple pretty shit ones, but some of them were okay. Uh, is there anything that you dislike? like about him <laughs> i'm trying to be nice i'm trying to give the opinion to the audience what do you think about these movies i think they're just absolute garbage you know we're gonna have like one listener who's like he's the best director ever i mean and that's your personal opinion if you're into that kind of thing like i said i liked rampage that movie was actually that had an impact on me psychologically uh just in the way that they dove into that so deeply like the following a dude like that around was like okay you know i get it but uh yeah other other than that i wasn't impressed by anything <laughs> at all yeah i think oh. at rampage he had to he had to let out like some steam or something like that or you know oh it was that, that, that one, was him that being, one held on that was him being pissed at you know capitalism and shit like that well yeah because then they did rampage uh president down and i was like oh okay okay, okay. we get it now we get it yeah <laughs> Could have left it at one. So, moving on. <laughs> yes, wash the bad taste Please. out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? <laughs> so, the next movie we have was released January 11th, 1999, right? It was directed by Steve Miner, starring Julius Sands, Laurie Singer, and Richard E. Grant. And that is the movie Warlock. One and of my favorites. Wasn't it 91? Uh yes, it was it was actually it had two releases. I I it was a 1989 release and a 1991 release. There's a lot of nines in that. There was so many nines, so many, so many. But <laughs> I but love for, this fucking movie. But yeah, for the U.S. release, it was January 11th, 1991. Really, you were really into this one? Oh, dude, I fucking love this movie. Dude, Warlock was great. It was one of the I, it's one of the best Julian Sands uh, performances I've seen. In a long time, because it's a it's a it's a horror film, but it's a classic good versus evil, you know, standard, yeah. you know, nothing overcomplicated. Bad guy seeks to destroy the world. Good guy seeks to stop him. You know, damsel in distress caught in the middle of it. Good acting all around. Julian's hands was good. Richard Grant was always fantastic. Nobody was over the top. Nobody oversold it. And it was just a good, scary you know, witchcraft movie. It was it was just good classic, you know, nineties fun. Yeah, it just kind of doves into a little bit of like that fantasy kind of horror, you know, that idea of, you know, you're having a warlock and a witch hunter and, you know, a little bit of time travel because it starts off in the sixteen hundreds and it goes over to present day in Boston. And just like I still, a, I still love how they have that fucker hemmed up at the beginning of the film, with <laughs> with his thumbs like with his thumbs hung to his toes and shit. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, 
mean, it was a good one. But yeah, I mean, fantasy was big at the time because I mean, you still had like was like the uh, the labyrinth that came out, uh, like you know, mid late eighties. Had that Tom Cruise fantasy movie that oh, came Legend, out. Oh, yeah. Legend, yeah, yeah, Legend that came out around that same time period. So it was kind of it kind of dove into just a little little nugget of Hollywood of you know jumping into a little fantasy for a little bit, and it's a fun movie. I did. Yeah, times I, were so much better back then. They were, weren't they? And you know, it's it's interesting because it's one of the few. It okay. So as far as like, and I, I dug this one, you know, because it went into witchcraft. Um, I've always had a, a kind of kind of passing interest uh, in paganism and you know, bl- you know, old beliefs. And I thought, oh, Eugene, check your bed for hex bags. <laughs> <laughs> so I found it interesting. It's it's one of the few witchcraft films out there. You don't have a, you don't have a whole ton. Um, you know, you had movies like The Craft. You had uh, movies that had magic in them, but not ones that specifically focused on like witches, unless it was like a comedy, like you know, Hocus Pocus or something Hocus like Pocus. that. But you you didn't really see this a lot, and so it was one of those kind of rare finds where where they, where they dove into it, and it was a great example of the tropes, the kind of Hollywood tropes of film witchcraft, and the way Hollywood kind of understands paganism or basically hollywood's interpretation of paganism and witchcraft so that they could turn it up and commercialize it and give it to audiences and kind of fill their heads with what they think you know witches are like and casting spells and doing shit like that and (laughs) ripping people's eyes out so they can like see distant things and you know stuff like that and almost every trope of of hollywood witches is in this and played you know superbly by the actors but and I always found that to be interesting because those tropes have not changed, even to this day. There's still Hollywood still goes back to the well, and exactly how they want to portray witches. You get now occasionally you do get the kind of independent you know studio produced like The Witch, where there's obviously something going on, but it's really more perception than it is you know overt magic. Okay, but you know stuff like this, you know, casting spells with like visual appeal and you know like. Uh, you know, you know, books like you know, grimoires and shit, and you know, human sacrifice and various stuff like this. All of this plays into this film, and I think didn't do witches much, ju- you know, much justice as far as the public perception of them. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. No, go ahead. Yeah, because it's Hollywood's kind of ingrained what we believe witches are because you look at it's like the craft and hocus pocus. And so we're kind of already kind of stuck on that. And that's when we expecting. And then Hollywood kind of keeps feeding it back to us to be a certain way. Cause it continued on when you look at, you know, like the TV show Buffy where uh, Willow becomes a witch and she goes along kind of that same vein, but it's mm-hmm. like a, we expect this from witches. And at the same time, they keep producing it to keep reinforcing it. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get stuck on this thing that you're supposed to believe is like a witch, like you're talking about like uh, grimoires and this, you know, dark arts, and it's all, all these are bad things. When in reality, like you said, you've been fascinated by jail, like paganism, even, and when you get into like actual real life witch stuff, it's totally different. It's more about like the earth, and it, you're, it's more spiritual for good reasons and not these bad like oh you're they portray witches as being bad things in these movies and then you do stuff that you got like the the tales of the salem witch trials where like a lot of the stuff you hear isn't what actually happened 
and it really came. I mean, not that it didn't happen because it definitely did, but you know, no, like the, the the accusations that were made, yeah, some of the events, and exactly, so they yeah. took they kind of took like okay, people didn't like witches then what were they saying about them and they took what people said about witches that they could make stuff levitate and all this stuff and made it look like a bad thing and then kind of use that as like okay we'll use that to scare people we'll use that as the witch when in reality like it, it comes down to it's like a it's a spiritual thing it's a one with the earth type thing um you know it's not supposed to be it's it sucks because it's not supposed to be a scary thing and so now you hear witch, and immediately you're thinking black hat. And oh yeah, black it's it's. Hat I think those mm-hmm. those tropes have been inspired, you know, since the days of Shakespeare, when you had the three, you know, the three witches in uh, Macbeth, okay, yeah. who you know warn who who were you know giving dev- you know prophecies that were kind of vague and you know easy to misunderstand stuff like this, and then you have like in uh, Ray Harry and Harryhausen's um, uh, Clash of the Titans, you had the the, the weird sisters. Okay, mm-hmm. who you know sent uh, who sent Perseus to uh, the to uh, Medusa? Okay, and then you know in the remake we saw they were even weirder there, and so there there are these kind of stereotypical tropes where you expect to see certain things, and that's why I think the witch was such a standout because I think that fell more in line with whereas the actual behavior of someone who practices what would they would call like black arts or a certain types of darker witch or darker witchcraft. Um, the, you know, their physical behavior, it's not supernatural. It just may look weird. And we're kind of like, Whoa, that's, you know, uh, that's kind of gross or that's kind of weird. That kind of is off putting, but it's unnerving. It's unnerving, but there's, you know, as far as magic goes, it's not overt. It's not spells in your face. It's not them going oh, and then saying magical words, you know, like fucking Harry Potter and shit. Okay. No. It is an energy around them that they utilize and control, and it can easily be as much as perception and suggestibility as it is actual magic. And if you create an environment that is that is that allows people who are who are you know who are um, in a position where they can be influenced by shit, you create a scary enough environment. You can influence anybody to believe anything. Yep. Yeah. You get them on the right side. And that's kind of where the witch went. You know, you know, deep in, you know, deep in uh, unsettling woods, strange noises in the night, um, overly religious father figure, you know, <laughs> shit like that. You know, you know, when you have this kind of mentality, is it the mentality that's, pr- that's preying on you or is it the actual witches that are pr- – or are they simply – preying upon your insecurities and your fears because of the situation you're in. That's why that film works so well. But it's fun. I, I, I won't deny that it's fun to watch the kind of Hollywood style, especially in good classic, you know, or in classic evil versus good movies like this one. Such a, a good three-act film plays, you know, it, it pretty much mm. is, it's not formulaic, but it's just a good romp. It's like a good story. Okay. The second one, yeah. you can ignore that one. Warlock two, Armageddon was bullshit. Warlock three had fucking <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah, that, that, Warlock that, that three. Doesn't. I think I think Warlock three had Bruce Payne in it, and he's in nothing but failures. I love you, Bruce. I'm sorry. The last good thing you did was Passenger fifty seven. Um, <laughs> but you know, if the dude was in the Dungeons and Dragons film. I mean, come on. And oh, yeah. you know, you know, blue lipped, you know, plate mail wearing guy. Anyway, but the first one was just a good classic. You know, just good fun film. And uh, a good, fun little horror film, and I I would recommend it. Now, one thing I've noticed is that 
we're not seeing the portrayal of witches as much anymore. Like, it was big in, like, say, the 80s and 90s, and then kind of, like, in the mid-2000s, it kind of fell off. Like I said, aside from, you know, the witch being the exception, we're not seeing a lot of, like, witches today. <coughs> That's true. <clears throat> no, and I think uh, they tried to do Sabrina, and then uh, the only other witch that I could really think of that stood out was uh, uh, Redhead from Supernatural. Oh my god. Not Felicia Day? No, no, no you're talking about the, the red, witch, redhead uh, from uh you're talking about the redhead from Buffy. No, Supernatural. Supernatural. Oh, you're talking about Rowena, uh, Rowena in Rowena, the, la- the yeah, later yeah, yeah. Se- Okay, the later seasons of Supernatural. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And so that I mean, those are the two witches. I was like I was thinking about this about not seeing these today, and those are the only two that I could really come up with in like the last you know, five, six, seven years. Well, like it's the thing is it's like now that we're kind of understanding more about like the Wiccan religion, is it kind of becoming like taboo now that that now you know these people are kind of having more of a voice and a more accepting society that maybe Hollywood doesn't want to misrepresent them? Maybe that's actually important because nowadays, especially with Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Rowena from Supernatural, um, the new Sabrina. Uh, on Netflix, which is an amazing series, by the way. It was a great show. Um, It's gone more, whereas I think it's, it's gone more of a feminist tone. It's empowerment. Okay. Not, not to, I don't want to knock it for anything, but there is a more empowering, you know, strong female, you know, strong female uh, presence there. Whereas I think it's, 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 it's gone more of a feminist note. They've gone, you have the independent woman who chooses to live her life the way she chooses to live her life, regardless of what anybody says. And I love that message. And I think witchcraft and paganism, and I think that's been kind of co-opted by that movement to portray women in this strong, independent, you know, powerful light. Only their, their strength and their independence and their power comes from witchcraft. So you're saying women need magic to? I, I don't like them? that message. Okay, <laughs> that's why I think that's why I, just, I simply say that the movement has co-opted the genre. Right. Okay. I don't think the genre co-opted the movement. Could agree with that. I can. I can. I can go. I can go with that. Yeah. So let us know in the comment section below. Like, is witchcraft or witches? Is that still appropriate in today's climate? You know, is it something that we can maybe see maybe another remake of The Craft or, you know, maybe another character like Willow on Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Or is it too taboo now? Or it has to be more carefully represented? So definitely let us know in the comments below. Is it still appropriate to have witches and talk about witchcraft? Awesome. All right. Well, we have some birthdays. We do. And And I would like to say. Our first birthday is our own co-host, Eugene Hawkins. Hey, hey, happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday, you. born uh, born January 6th, 1984. So our, uh, uh, the guy that we that I literally could not do, could not have started this podcast without. Because when I had the idea for this podcast, it was when I met Eugene, just by chance, we happen to be working together on the same film, the same twenty-four hour, uh, forty-hour, forty-hour film, fo- film festival for black. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> the first forty-eight-hour film festival. We happened to. Uh, I just happened to. Uh, that's where I met him. We just happened to be working on the same one. He was working as a director of photography, which he quickly upgraded to pretty much director choreographer. You know everything. everything yeah, everything on that. <laughs> and I was a writer, 
And they tried to promote me, and I was like, no, I'm only here to write. I and I think that pissed people off. But that's how we met. And we just worked together on that. We worked you know, briefly, and he had his, he had his job. I had mine. And after that, I had this idea because Eugene and I hit it off so much, and we had such a clear vision of what we wanted to do. And I think because we come from similar training paths as far as film school goes, that we could talk to each other in that language. Where we saw things the same way from because I've also directed, I've also uh, I've written, I've directed, I've acted, so I can see things from a camera's perspective. So I see things from a setup, you know, how to frame, how to frame something. And Eugene just took that and he, his extensive knowledge in that just kind of ran with that. We just clicked as yeah, far as just, work, as far as working, you know, uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, because we so, just played off each other. I mean, it was shit, just yeah, like yeah. just right off the bat. And so when I got the idea for Week in Horror, he was the first person I called. Um, I would I actually think I messaged you on Facebook, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, this I think I think Eugene, what it was is you mentioned that you, it was I think it was something you mentioned that you wanted to do something creative or or do or something that you had posted online social media. I think it was just like literally a throwaway post, but it was something about doing something creative, being involved in something creative. And I was already having this idea for a podcast, and I think it was just kismet that I happened to I happened to see that post, and I was like, you know what? I wonder if he'd be interested in doing a podcast. And I reached out to Eugene, and Eugene was like, you know what? Fuck yes, let's do and that. Guess what? He was. <laughs> yes. I was like, you know, and I think it was just a matter of, you know, it's something we've wanted to do. We wanted to do a podcast. Maybe we didn't know exactly what. Maybe we didn't know, you know, how we were going to pull it off. But you know what? Fuck it. It's not exactly that difficult. I've sh- I've been on the sets of multi-million dollar films before. Shooting a fucking podcast should not be that goddamn hard. Okay? And <laughs> without Eugene, I wouldn't have been able to make this happen. And then and then of course you Aww. came along Alex and you filled out the bunch. And but without Eugene, there is no week in horror. Aww. Because he had to say yes. Because if Eugene Aww. hadn't said yes, I probably would have just been like, "Okay, never mind." All right, I guess. We'll I'll just I'll else. go back to playing World of Warcraft. So <laughs> that's my uh, that's my thank you to Eugene. Happy birthday, dude! Thank you so much. Because without you, this podcast doesn't. We don't. We don't do episode fifteen. So thank you, Aww. dude. Yeah, I love it too. Happy thank birthday. you. Thank you. We get a nice tear now coming down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got a couple more. Um, next one. Born the exact same day. Congratulations, Eugene. He shares your birthday. We're twins. By a few years. Uh, January 6th, 1969, happy birthday to the man, the myth, the legend, fucking Daryl Dixon. Happy birthday, Norman Reedus. Motherfucker, I love this guy so much, and my fucking fiance loves him so much, too, and that makes me jealous. Is he on both of y'all's freebies list? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying I would no, say and no, this guy but... is somebody who I came so close to meeting... Uh, I was down in Austin at this bar and this guy was like, yeah, I own this. I was talking to this dude at the bar and he's like, yeah, I own this bar down the road. And we got talking and somehow Norman Reedus came up and he's like, yeah, no, Norman's like a cool guy. And I kind of laughed and he's like, yeah, he comes into my bar and I was like, yeah, okay. And he's like, no, look. And he showed me pictures from like, it was like two weeks. Like it, there was like two weeks worth of pictures, just separate dates that this guy just, Hangs out with Norman Reedus at his bar. Oh, and he's got all these selfies with him and like pictures with Norman. And Norman's like taking pictures of both of them. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, is he there now? <laughs> he's like, no, he usually actually comes out like uh, on whatever day. It was like the day before we were sitting there. 
And he's like, you should come out. And I didn't. And I should have. And I'm kind of pissed. But yeah, that dude's he's he's one of my he's my favorite. So I actually got a chance to meet him. Dude, I heard he was like the chillest motherfucker. He he is. He's super cool. It was me and uh, one of my best friends. We went to Dragon Con, and um, you know, and it wasn't like a meeting behind the booth sign, all the other kind of stuff. No, we were sitting there just at a we we're at a bar, and this girl went up to go order some drinks. Just kind of standing. Uh, next to me and we kind of start talking and chatting and all sort of kind of stuff she's like hey you're like y'all are like really cool y'all want to come back and chill at our table and so we're like yeah let's go back and we start walking over the table and it's norma reedus and sean patrick flanagan like sitting at a table like having a beer <laughs> <laughs> like sit down and like join us <laughs> I, can, I can just see eugene's face but eugene was this before you met kelly Oh yeah, yeah. This was maybe like okay. Eight so years Eugene's ago. at the bar. Eugene's at the bar, and he's like, "Oh, this chick's kind of cute. Hey, I'll, I'll come back to the table. Oh shit, I'm gonna get laid. Holy shit, Norman Reedus! Holy fuck! Look down at your hands. There's no tattoos. Like, oh my out, god, man. the Boondock Saints! Shit. I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh. <laughs> fucking the fucking uh, Ricky Bobby. I don't know. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Put them at your side. <laughs> So I, oh I played it cool, sat, had a beer, didn't like no, fangirl anything, but I We're had one worthy. beer and I had to leave. We're not worthy. <laughs> We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Oh my God. Super cool guy though. Super cool. Both of them were. It That's was, a it was super awesome. That's cool you know, fucking story, and bro. This, and this is, this is my point because I also uh, met Norman as well. And now back, you know, back, back when I was uh, when I was doing uh, when I was doing onsite journalism for Cinelinks.com. Um, I was a correspondent that handled horror conventions. And so I went, I, I got to interview a lot of people and, you know, just part of the job, you know, these were interviews. So it wasn't like sit down and have fun, but, um, I did get to have a kind of like a chill moment with, with Nor with Norman Reedus. And he is absolutely one of the chillest dudes ever. We were at uh, Texas Frightmare weekend and I was out in the courtyard with a friend of mine named Kristen Reed, um, who's actually, you know, might be uh, trying to talk to her. She's actually might be one of our, um, kind of like co-hosts in waiting, you know, you know, that we may, you, you may hear her on the podcast one day, but anyway, we were chilling out and the boondock saints, you know, Sean and Norman and uh, David De La Roca were there doing a, doing a signing. And so Kristen and I are sitting out in the courtyard, smoking a cigarette. We're just chilling out and just talking about, cause we worked Chill on, a movie. We, had, we, were, we worked on a movie together. We worked on a Cthulhu movie together. And so we were just chatting for a bit. And then all of a sudden, Sure as shit, out the fucking doors into the courtyard, amongst all of us little people, is fucking Norman Reedus, and he, he like walks over and he just plants up against the wall, you know, do the cool wallflower, smoke a cigarette, and I was like, <laughs> and I had my back to him, so I didn't see him, and, and Kristen, all of a sudden, she like just freezes up, she gets like all stiff, and she's like, oh my god, I'm like, well, well what is it, what is it? And I'm looking around, he's like, it's Norman Reedus, he's like, oh cool, he came out here to have cigarettes, sweet, you want to go talk to him? And she's like, no, no, I never could. No, absolutely not. I'm like, oh, come on. He's, he's just an actor. You know, you, you want to go you know, check him? I hear he's really cool. And so, Kristen, I'm trying to play this up. I'm nervous as fuck. Because well, I'm, yeah. I'm used to sitting in the chair across them and just asking them questions off my little fucking notepad and recording what they say. <laughs> but I, you're walking up and saying, hey, how's it going? I've never, I, I like never done this before. I think I did it once and I got shot down and it was really embarrassing. It was by Bruce Campbell. Ooh, and... Oh. I literally walked up to Norman. I was like, I was like, I was like, okay, Kristen, hang on a sec. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on my journalist big boy pants here, and I, I literally stroll up to Norman Reedus. I'm like, hey, Norman, how's it going? He was like, hey, what's happening, man? And I was like, hey, 
I have a friend over here. Her name's Kristen. She would really love to meet you, but she is crazy fucking nervous. Um, is it cool if she comes over and says hi? And he was like, fuck yeah. Send her over here. And she's over there like 20 feet away, fucking wide-eyed. Like, oh my god. And so she kind of makes her way over and the two of them start chatting. And then I, I, you know, I check the time. And I was like, I've got to go. I've got an interview i got to get to. And I was like, okay. Hey, Norm, it was great to see you. Have a good one. Uh, Chris, I'll talk to you later. And I left. So then I had work to do. So I worked all fucking day. And it turns out Kristen was invited up to his fucking room with Sean and David and a couple of other select people to go up there and fucking smoke out. <laughs> well, damn. And I was so fucking pissed because I'm walking out of the goddamn uh, convention. I'm exhausted. I have talked to everybody. I'm just fucking tired. <laughs> so now i got to go home and i got to upload everything and, and I'm doing my job. And I wasn't really even getting paid at the time. And she's up there fucking smoking weed with, smoking weed with Daryl Dixon and the Boondock Saints. The Boondock Saints. Hey, what are you doing? Smoking with the Boondock Saints? Boondock Saints? Well, fuck, fuck me. <laughs> so, but absolutely a super cool guy. Um, Norman Reedus, happy birthday. Happy birthday, dude. Happy birthday. Cool. And then uh, another one. One uh, January 7th, 1964. Somebody you might know named Nicolas Cage was born and started to live a life that would affect, I think, every single person in the world. <laughs> In some way or another, good, bad, the re- mental, I don't know. The reverberations of Nicolas Cage's birth were felt by all. Everything's so freaking intense all the time, man. <laughs> the bees, not the bees, okay. they're in my eyes. I know that it, his... It's okay. the numbers, the dates are in the numbers. I know that Nicolas Cage's penchant for, ger- for acting via German expressionism is his big inspiration. And I and you know you see it in his early work, and that's where the manic shit comes from, the big like ah. <laughs> oh. Compare what Nicolas Cage does to scenes you saw in Nosferatu, okay, or or in or in expressionism, yeah, or in Metropolis, okay, which is scary in German, but when you do it in American, it's psycho. It's weird. It's like that, but <laughs> I have to admire him for that. Now, unfortunately, that makes a lot of his films misses, but occasionally he gets a solid fucking hit like Mandy. Dude, Mandy was great. I loved the movie Next. Um, uh, next I next knowing. or Knowing? No, no. Uh, knowing was a good one. I think it was Next. Yeah. Was that what the... No, was, was good. One? I thought Next was shit because it was all a dream. I know, yeah. I mean, but for the time, it was, I thought it was a pretty good movie. When I saw it, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, well, it, wasn't, it wasn't one of his worst movies. Well, because hey. he, he does. He hits gems. Like, I liked him in Kick-Ass. I thought he was good in that. He, yeah, that yeah he, had, he has some hits. He does. And when he Gone hits, he seconds. really hits. Gone in 60 Seconds, uh, fucking Leaving Las Vegas, which he won an Academy Award for. Uh, we'll always remember him for Raising Arizona. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This then... whole fucking scene when he, when he stole the diapers and shit, and he locked his keys in the fucking car. <laughs> and he's like, uh, uh, and he just throws the shit and runs into the desert. <laughs> like a fucking idiot. Good choice. Oh, God. He was so brilliant. Like, And I cannot wait. Uh, for color out of space. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say color out of space. I think That's it's gonna, gonna be, be amazing. determining in the end of his career. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not. I mean, like he's getting older, man. He <laughs> took fucking Manny and he ran with it, and he's yeah, he's yeah. getting towards the end. So yeah, I'm sure we'll see some real good stuff here for the prolific career of Nicolas Cage. Face okay. off. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking like The Rock, Con Air, adaptation. Oh, ad- adaptation. 
Oh yeah, yeah that was a good one. Yes, um, um, Matchstick Men. Matchstick Men. Fuck mm-hmm. yeah. And then obviously the National Treasure series. Oh yeah, no, he's great. No. Mm-hmm. Did you did you say the, good movies? Did you say The Rock? Yeah, The Rock. Yeah, yeah, The Rock. Yes, I, I I recently I recently watched that again. I just I fucking love him and Sean Connery. One of the last things last things I think I saw Sean Connery do that I think he was enjoying himself. <laughs> yeah, he looked like he was ha- he was having fun in that one. I mean, it was just it's a fun movie all the way around. Oh, I yeah. love it. It's good so, stuff. So yes, so awesome. Keep him coming, Nick. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Nicholas. Happy birthday. And the last birthday we have today is she was born January 9th, 1973, and it's Angela Bettis. Oh, I love this dear girl so much. She's such a fantastic <laughs> character actress. She's been around in so many different things. Uh, she's probably best known for May. Um, oh, it's such a yeah. creepy little film. <laughs> Fuck. She was so good. <laughs> creepy, creepy film came out two thousand two. Uh, she was also in the Toolbox Murders. Uh, she was in Carrie, the two thousand and two uh, remake, and then she was in Girl Interrupted um, with uh, Angelique Jolie and Winona Ryder. Um, just a whole long stretch of movies that she's been in. Toy box murdered, man. Yeah. But oh, if you I t- know, I t- if you know the actual story, if you've ever heard any of like the recordings and stuff from the actual murders that happened, like, and then the, oh my god, it was just so. Ugh. I tell you, that was bad. She she has a tendency to take on those to take on roles in fit you know in in subject matter that that really takes you in a different direction. Um, oh yeah. If one of those ones, it's, it's she's a supporting actress. She's a supporting character in it. But in in Lucky McKee, Lucky McKee is a director who likes to pretty much is kind of as a director, he has a fondness for the works of Jack Ketchum. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm not a Jack Ketchum fan of his books. Um, the movies are are good. They make for good horror. Uh, there was a film that Lucky McKee did called The Woman, and uh, Angela had a supporting role as the wife of the husband who's trying to civilize the feral woman and her the way she portrayed the character it, okay for context the woman is an incredibly brutal film absolutely nuts in its violence in its misogyny in its gore it's it's so fucking twisted and this wife that she plays is such a finely is such a finely tuned balance between mother and abused wife okay and the way she characterizes i don't know how she did the the level of that girl's pathos and what she brings to a character has always astounded me just shockingly so i mean she she the hard roles she left yeah she takes on the hard ones yeah i mean she left me on the floor with may may blew my mind Mm mm-hmm yeah, that was a good one. She's yeah, no, she's really good at portraying those really hard situations to put yourself into and then come back out of. So the fact that she does it over and over and over again, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's just a testament to her ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was also in the Masters of Horror. She was. I was just, I was wondering if it would be appro- if it's appropriate to mention that, but I really enjoyed watching her make out with Misty Monday. <laughs> I really did. That was a gruesome little that was a gruesome little film called I think it's called Sick Girl. And yeah. that was a gruesome little film, but it was it was about a couple of lesbians. 
and <laughs> and you know lesbian horror is always a blast. You know? <laughs> I mean, not going to discount it. And Misty Monday, who is a soft core actress. Um, yes. <laughs> and Angela Bettis, who's a fantastic character who brings everything she can to every role she plays. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with watching the two of them get sensual on a couch. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Good Saturday. Absolutely. So, well, happy birthday, Angela. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. All right. Well, that closes out this week in horror. We want to thank all of you listeners so much for taking the time to give us a listen. We really hope you enjoyed it as much as we hope as much as we enjoyed making it. As always, any of your feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, um, feel free to shoot us an email at weekinhorror at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. Um, we are available on all of your favorite podcast hosting stations. We're on Google, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Broadcast FM, uh, and especially we are on Anchor, anchor.fm slash weekinhorror. You can find us there. Um, check out our new Patreon. We started a new Patreon for anybody who'd like to support us at patreon.com slash weekinhorror. Um, our Patreon subscribers get a, a exclusive content like our Weekend Horror Bloodbath where we debate the finer points of pitting two horror icons together and watching them battle to the death. Or our Weekend Horror After Dark where we sit down and have some special time with our special guests and talk mm, to them about time. their into talk about uh, them and the uh, their roles in the horror industry as writers, directors, you know, producers or actors. And we like to just get their take on uh, what they think of the, you know, their history and what they think of the industry itself. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash horror to get your daily splatter, which is a little bit of horror history, a little bit of horror uh, nuggets every uh, every single day. And, of course, you can also find us on Twitter to get the same thing. Follow us at horror. So thank you again so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. I'm Alex. Thank you, everyone. I'm Eugene. I'm JL, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>